0: uh, God is good, amen? All right. So we're making this transition to the book of Romans. And we're in the first chapter. And Paul, when he begins this dialogue with the church at Rome, it is a mixed church. It is a combination of people. There's Jews and there's Greeks. But there's different cultures because at this church, at this time, there are some Jewish believers who have heard Paul's message about grace and has accepted it. And then there's these Jewish believers that has held strong to the tradition of the Torah and the law. And they believe that believers ought to be circumcised. Then there's this group of Gentiles. And there's these Gentiles who've also heard the message of Paul and has accepted the message of grace. And then there's some Gentiles who's been there for a while, that they've accepted the Jewish tradition, and these Gentiles has been circumcised. So you have all this mixture, this combined, merged church with all these backgrounds and all these different perspectives and all these different ideologies. But Paul said, I can't wait to get to Rome. Paul said, I've been thinking about you. I've been, been praying that God would allow me to come unto you. Paul said, I, I've heard of your faith. I know how well you've been being faithful. I, I heard about it. And Paul said, I can't wait to come, and I'm glad that I'm here because I can't wait to preach to you. Paul said, look, uh, I love you. And as I'm reading the chapter, I'm like, oh, I see what's happening here. Did y'all see those scriptures? Paul was saying to them, you know I love you, right? (laughs) Before he really got down to what the scripture was going to talk about, he was like, look, he said, I come to bring you some good news. And I want somebody to know this morning that there is both. There is some challenge in this text. There is some good news. And Paul said to them, look, I love you, but let's just get it. It's tight. Come on, let's go. It's tight? It's tight. Not only is it tight because it's right, it's tight because it's righteous. We're going to talk about what does it mean for the just to live by faith and to be righteous. The only way we can become right is through Jesus. He's the only one that makes us righteous because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None is righteous. No, not one. So as we look at this text I'm just saying before I even get started, Hobiel, you know I love you, right? <laughs> uh, Jesus. All right, so having said that, uh, in verse chapter 1, verse 11, Paul says, look, I couldn't wait to come and preach to you because I want to provide you some spiritual gifts. So this, these, these challenges, he's calling them gifts. He said, because I want to make you stronger. Paul's like, I couldn't wait to come. And, and he said, look, if you read it, he said, it's a two-way street. I ain't going to sharpen iron. But I couldn't wait to come to preach to you because I have some spiritual gifts. There's some stuff that I need to teach you so that you're stronger as a people. And so consider these spiritual gifts. Amen? Amen. so Paul says, look, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news. He said, I know that I have studied under one of the the, the baddest philosophical scholars in Gamaliel, and I know that I was bred a scholar. He said, but I'm not ashamed to talk about a man who died and rose again, a man who they hung on the cross. I'm not ashamed to talk about this this God who saved the world. He says, look, this good news, it's about all of us and our salvation pass." present and future. It is by faith, by faith in Jesus that we are justified. So our salvation passed. There's nothing we can do about it. We will all sin. It's too late. None is righteous, no, not one. But we have been justified by Jesus who died that we might live. Amen? That's that's salvation passed. But we also have salvation present and that we have been sanctified. That because of Jesus, we now are holy and set apart. We are his people and we are now sanctified. Salvation present and God be praised. Not only justification and sanctification, but salvation future. Glorification. That is going to come a day that I'm not going to turn in this Corruptible body for a glorified body. There will come a day, and I'm believing that when that day comes, glorification is coming. So I'm saying for somebody, hold on to what you believe. Your belief, your confidence, your trust in an Almighty God justifies, sanctifies, and glorifies. And I wonder if anybody, just for the, because we're here, can you say glory? Glory. Just want to make sure we're in the right house. Amen. Paul says, I'm not ashamed to talk about the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. So as a topic, Paul says it's good news. He says, we are saved by our faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We are saved, he said, we are made righteous or justified by Jesus, so no one can boast. We didn't earn it, we didn't buy it, we can't trade for it. Who can boast about our salvation? No one can. For that reason, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. The just shall live by faith, just by faith. So this morning as a topic, what angers God? You know, God does not anger and get angry like we do. You know, we'll fly off the handle almost at any time. You know, it don't take much for us to even go beyond anger and execute our wrath. But God is slow to anger, that, that he chides. God, God is slow. He does not. There's an active wrath of God in the Old Testament where God, Sodom and Gomorrah, the flood, that he has a wrath. But there's a passive wrath in the New Testament where God did not come to destroy us. He came to save us. So there's an ongoing passive wrath that God allows for. So what angers God? I'm going to talk about it, but first I want to drop this as like the hook. There's no excuse. Listen, sometimes before the resurrection, we had to go through the crucifixion. Before there is exaltation, sometimes you got to go through humiliation. Sometimes before you up, you got to go down. What I'm saying, oftentimes we don't want to sit with the thing that is hard. In this text, if we're going to really sit with it, there is both challenge and encouragement. So can we walk this road of challenge and just understand there's no excuse? There's no excuse for not understanding the wrath of God, not understanding who God is. There is not for excuse. Here's what we do. We attempt to lessen the blame. What excuse are you making today? Let us wash this over. What excuse is why we can't grow and become more mature in our faith? What is it that is too hard, it's too far, it's too long, it's too this, it's too that? What are we saying to lessen the blame as to why we don't walk in the way God wants us to walk? As the people of God, can we look in this long mirror of the word of God and look at ourselves, ask ourselves the question, what excuses are we making? Excuse, to seek to defend or to justify. Oftentimes when we want to justify something it's because we don't like another person's perspective. So we try to justify our faith, our belief, our angle So we make an excuse for the thing that we have not done. And God is saying, look, we put a reason forth to justify, or we ignore it altogether. What are you ignoring? That God has been putting in your space over and over and over again that you don't agree with, but it's the word of God. So today, God's wrath, but he said there's no excuse. Listen, there's no excuse for evil. Walk with me. But God shows his anger from the heavens. He says, against all sinful and ungodliness and unrighteousness that suppress the truth of God. The suppression of the truth of God is the holding down the truth. You know the truth. We know the truth. But we don't. It makes us uncomfortable. We don't, we don't want to do what God said to do. So we suppress the truth. We restrain it. We stifle the truth of God. We don't walk the way He wants us to. We don't say what we want. What God wants us to say because we're suppressing the truth of God. James 3, 8, 9 says the tongue. Nobody can tame the tongue. Can we just take this one? No one can tame the tongue. It is. It is resi- uh, restless, evil. And it's full of deadly poison, the tongue. Then it says, the same tongue blesses the Lord our Father. And in the same tongue, will condemn someone who's made in the image of God. So we suppress the truth by what we say. Can I just say it? Be careful what you say. Matthew 12, 36 and 37, it says, on judgment day. Each one of us is going to have to give an account for every idle word that we say. And either it's going to acquit us or going to condemn us. All I'm saying, you might be saying, and suppress the truth by saying, oh, it's just a little curse word. It's just a little this. You know, God knows my heart. We, we justify the things that we do because we don't understand or we don't want to understand the things of God. It's clearly right there. So the evil that somebody does when they know the truth, God says, That angers me. God says to all of us, we should never suppress the truth. Let the truth be what it is. Then he says to us, look, not only there's no excuse because of evil, he said there's no excuse because he's given us examples of who he is. All throughout the Bible, they know the truth about God. And so do we. We know who he is because he has made it obvious to them. We've been given examples. How do we know that he is who he says he is? Just walk outside. He's the one that said the moon and the stars are blazing in the sky. He is the one that lets the wind blow in our face. He is the one who created everything that is. It is obvious that he is who he says he is. You can't take something and add nothing and get everything. The God that we serve, the one who fashioned us in his own image, there is no excuse. When we do everything that we're big and bad enough to do, there is consequences. Even if you don't know him today. Romans 2.15 says there is a conscience. That the conscience that we have gives us an indication. There's guilt. There's conviction. There's something there. Even when we don't know him. So we know him. And he's shown us who he is. He's given us examples. He said, I made all that you see. He said, for example, I've given you clarity through everything that God made. He said, they can clearly see the invisible attributes. He says, there's no excuse because you, have you experienced this eternal power? Have you called on him and he showed up? Have he snatched you out of something that if it wasn't for him, you wasn't going to make it? Have you seen and his eternal power? When you think about the goodness of the Lord, the door that was closed, that was open, the eternal power, the divine nature of God, his character, he is love, he is peace, he is truth, he is the one that created us. We did not create ourselves. Can we understand by example all that he's done throughout the Bible? And just in case you're here, and, you know, you understand that evil, wicked practices, the examples. but what if you have experienced him? We know for ourselves, and can I just say it, mama and I may have, dad and I may have, but it's personal. You've got to confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. You've got to understand who you are. The experience that you have, there are some experiences that no one can ever take away because you know that was God. Yeah, yeah, you know that was God. You might not be able to explain it, but you call on the name of an almighty God, and he is the one that opened up the door. He is the one that rescued you by experience. And the problem is sometimes God's delayed. We think that we're okay. There is judgment Yes, they knew God. Watch. They knew him. It was intimate. To know someone is to be intimate with someone. It was personal. They experienced God. But they did not worship God. They experienced him. They didn't worship him as God. They leaned on idolatry. He might say, well, Pastor Brown, that was then. We put everything... Home, house, car, job, notoriety, uh, family, people, places, positions. God says, I will have no other God before me. He said, Look, any man, any woman loving family members, mama, daddy, brother, sister, before me, is not worthy to follow me. It's tight. So at some level, they knew him, but they chose to go a different direction. What what is it that you know about your God that you are not, we are not following through? Because it's easy to say, well, uh, I don't have that excuse, but we have one. Hey, you know what? Listen, I don't know how you got here, but we're here now. In this word, not only did they know him and not worship him, they didn't even give him thanks. They didn't even say, thank you. They recognized and knew. is no way. To know him is to love him. To know him is to understand his power. To know him is to understand that God can do all things but fail. To know him. And you don't even give him thanks. All right, so we just pause. Sometimes, you know, it's right here. Come on, so it's right here. So listen, can you just say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Don't you know hallelujah is the highest praise? Can you say hallelujah again? All right, now watch. All right, now watch. God be praised. God knows the origin of the thought of where our praise comes from. We can just say hallelujah and never think about adoring God. He knows the origin, the motivation behind what we say. Why? Because what's in the heart will come out of the mouth. So I'm saying, can we give God the glory he so deserves? Hallelujah! Yeah! So when they didn't give him the glory he so deserved, They became foolish. They started to try to figure out God because, you know, he is God, but they're serving these other gods. So they became self-righteous. Let us figure out where we're comfortable. Let us suppress this truth. Let us get to a place where we're comfortable with the lie that we're telling ourselves so that we can be comfortable with who we are. I know the word of God said, do you know you can have knowledge of the word and not acknowledge the word? We can know the truth and never acknowledge it and keep doing what we think we big and bad enough to do because God has a passive wrath. Because he did not come to condemn us. He came to save us. So they got complacent. Even though they saw his creative order, even though they saw the fact that he was God all by himself, they got complacent. They wouldn't serve him. Can we keep walking? I know it's a little heavy. Listen, there's no excuse. They claim to be wise, but instead they became utter fools. Through their experience, not worshiping God, not giving God the glory he so deserved, as a result, they became confused. They called bittersweet, darkness, light, good, evil. They took the glory of God and they gave it to men. Confused. Confused because they wouldn't even give him glory. They wouldn't even acknowledge him. They wouldn't even say thank you. So then they keep going and become confused, thinking that they are all that. Thinking they're wise, they become fools. And as a result, Jesus, there's no excuse. He turns them to abandonment, to exile, to I didn't pick the text, but the text is up there. It says that he abandoned them. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desire. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Shameful desires, foolish thinking, no restraint, suppressing the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. No man come unto the Father but by me. exile they trade the truth for a lie Bible says they traded the truth about God for a lie so they worship and serve the things God created instead of creating the one who created them who are we serving what are we putting our investments in who are what is it that we're putting all of our time and energy every day all of our investment count it up how much time There's no excuse, but there's some good news. There's some good news, Kurt. There is no excuse, but for those who love him, for those who have faith in him, we are excused. There is no excuse, but we are excused. We are pardoned. We are forgiven. We are exempt that God has fixed it so. Not because we all, because we've done so well, but because of who he is, Romans 5 says, God commended his love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's some good news. There is no excuse. We can't go back and get it. All have sinned. We've all, none is righteous, no, not one. But thanks be to God that Jesus came. The good news for God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Sometimes when we are like receiving, we hold on to the squeaky wheel, the oil. We stay stuck in no excuse. There is no excuse, but there's some good news. At some level, we need to grab on to the good news that's in the text, the promises of God. We grab on to what God has said who we are. So I'm saying that God is a loving God. Yes, he has a wrath. He did not come to destroy us. God is love. God says, look, I will be slow to anger. Just come back to me. God says, look, I got you. For that reason, I sent my son to save you. That's some good news. We, there is no excuse, but we are excused. The good news, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of life. But the gift of life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Listen, we all deserve to die. But it was on a hill called Calvary that Jesus took upon himself all of our sins. And God, he poured out his wrath at the cross to reconcile the world back to himself. At some level, we got to understand that we win if we stay the course. Matthew, Jesus, John 8, 31. Jesus said, look, the world is going to know that you are my disciples when you remain faithful and teach teach my commandments. He said, and then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Faithfulness goes along with salvation. And we know, King James, all things work together for good for them who love God when who are the called according to his purpose. It's all good, but not for everybody. It's all good for the good of those, for, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It's all good. Even when you go left, and he'll take you and make you go right. Even when it's bad, he'll make it good. God says all things. All right. So there is, and I'm almost done. There's this gift, the spiritual gift, that Paul came to give the church at Rome. It's the same gift that's available to us. It's the gift of grace. Even when they were holding on to the law and the Torah, You can't. It showed us our sin, but it could never make us righteous. Who's going to keep 613 commandments? So we're under grace. So the gift of grace is nigh thee. Everything you need, God's got it, like, right here and right now. The gift of grace. God saved us, you, by his grace when you believed. So you're saved when you say yes, Lord, with your heart and with your mouth because out of your heart the mouth speaks. Then he says, and you can't take credit for this. We can't take credit. He says a gift from God. Look, salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So who's going to boast? I'm no better than you regardless of your... Political status, regardless of how much money you got, no matter how much education, you're not better than me. There is no respected person with God. So who's going to boast? The gift of grace. Well then, well then, since we're under this grace thing, Kioki, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Of course not. Of course not. Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Just a little piece. When we die to sin, it's not like we got it all together. You remember Romans 7 when Paul was saying, man, uh, the thing that I said I wasn't going to do, that's what I found myself doing. The thing I said I wasn't going to do, that's what I do. And I... He said, I find in me and my flesh there's this, like, there's no good thing, that there's this warring going on in my flesh between my flesh and my spirit. You can die and crucify your flesh. You can be saved and still go through some things, but we're going to get stronger because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That there's maturation that's going to happen in my life. I'm going to get stronger in some areas. That's why Paul came. Paul came to make them a little bit stronger. Don't mean they didn't have contention. Don't mean they didn't have confusion. Don't mean they didn't have struggle. But God, he came to give them a little more strength. Gift of grace. Give yourself some grace. But let's not continue. Let's keep working, amen. Okay, so we're almost done. The gift of grace. So now there is no condemnation. For those who belong... To Christ Jesus. If you belong to an almighty God, you don't have to say a word. Can you just wave at me? Can you just wave and let me know that I'm not? Come on now. Thank you. Amen. For those who belong to him, the power of the life giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. There is now no condemnation. Do you remember the abandonment? Do you remember the exile? Do you remember those things where they kept confused just doing the thing, and he turned them over? And it went from worse to worse. And if you read the text, it goes from worse to, like, depravity. Enemy wants us to believe a lie. And maybe you hear, and... You believe the lie that you're not good enough, you're not tall enough, you're not sweet enough, you're not bitter enough, whatever the case might be. Could it be that just suppressing the truth? The truth is you are more than a conqueror. The truth is you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The truth is Jesus said, look, I am the truth, the way, and the life." The truth is Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. The truth is the devil's a liar. All right. The gift of grace. There's no excuse, but we are excused. If Jesus is our chief cornerstone, we're all building something. We're all working, and we're going somewhere. If Jesus Christ is not the chief cornerstone of the foundation in which you're building, whatever you're building ain't going to last. And even if it does, it ain't going to get you where you want to get to. Some stuff might have to be torn down and rebuilt. If Jesus is not the chief cornerstone, you might want to, we might want to have something that is foundational with hardly anything on it, but the chief cornerstone is Jesus Christ. Because then we have a firm foundation in that everything we do is going to last. Amen. Jesus Would you stand with me as we prepare for Holy Communion? Jesus Thanks so much for joining us.